well, we'll should do introductions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who you are. Okay. Well, I'm Ian Thornton Trump, a.k.a. Fat Hobbit online, a founding member of the Beer Farmers. I do lots of InfoSec talks, and my main strengths are writing assertive emails and building PowerPoint presentations. That is really impressive, to be honest. My my strengths are not assertive emails. (laughs) Maybe passive-aggressive. Okay, so introduction to myself. Do I really need to Yeah, I guess I should do. Um, Okay, Uh, my name is Zoe Rose, aka Rosec Ops. Unless I convince Twitter to give me the Rosec handle, then I will move to Rosec, hopefully. I heard you Um, could probably get malware tech's handle. Um, I mean, yeah. Everyone is uh, (laughs) using it. (laughs) Maybe I could use it to get some more followers and yeah. but be less angry against women because, you know, I kind of like them. Yeah. They're kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, what else am I known for? I am known for ferrets. Right. Um, we'll get an update on yeah. the ferrets at the end. Yes, the mischievous ferrets. Um, and I'm also known... I do, I do conferences as well. Not so great on the uh, assertive emails, but I am excellent at... I need to find something I'm excellent at. Okay. What am I excellent at? Podcasts, duh. Okay. I'm excellent at podcasts. (laughs) Okay. So big day uh, tomorrow, World Mental Health Day. Yes, Um, Kind of appropriate for information security, I would say, because not everybody in our community is 100% balanced. I mean, myself included. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I'm... I mean, I am obsessed with ferrets, so how sane could I be? <laughs> They're little malicious little animals. Um, but also, you know, personally, I've gone through um, anxiety, depression, and um, I've got no sense of attention. So, you know, uh, <laughs> there's that. Um, so I think, I think I agree with you. I mean, it's a really big, really big challenge, especially in our industry where we're kind of expected to know everything and be on top of our game 24 hours a day. I think also, like, for those of us that have been in the industry for a while, too, it doesn't get easier or better. It actually is the reverse. I feel like it gets harder. Mm-hmm. I feel like you said the expectations, like if you've been in the business for four years, eight years, 15 years, 20 years, um, you know, and you have the rings on your liver to prove it, um, <laughs> you know, you're now faced with um, greater and greater challenges. Mm-hmm. And it's not like cybercrime's getting better right i mean it is getting better well they're getting better at tearing us apart (laughs) and we're getting i don't know are we even are we even fighting now or is it just kind of like or just oh man it's it's just so bad yeah yeah uh no 100% i mean i i realized yesterday i've been in industry for 11 years now i am an elder at this point yeah um a survivor (laughs) yeah a survivor hopefully i don't look it but (laughs) but uh, no i i 100% agree i mean when i started i had this positive picture of the world where i would i would change it and it would be secure you know and i would i would do this proper controls and it would be secure and it would solve all problems and now i'm like if i can protect against phishing i'm so happy you know if i can save that one person you know and and i i do think i think it's it's not just that i would say it's not that it gets harder it's that we almost get desensitized to it and there's so much drama and we just get frustrated and it's so hard to like refresh because the one thing that i noticed we are absolutely terrible at insecurity is um resting and recuperation 
and yeah, and taking time off, you know, yeah. it's and not checking Twitter every, <laughs> you know, twenty seconds for totally the drama of the day. Uh, yeah, wait a second. Oh my God, you just like the podcast and it's not even out yet. Um, but speaking of the desensitization, do you feel like we get into this desensitized moment and it leads to depression? I mean, I'm going to be honest, I've got some pieces coming out in Hack Read around World Mental Health Day. It leads to all sorts of pretty not great things. I mean, I think the struggle is real amongst our people. Um, what are your observations? Have people reached out to you uh, about you know how they're feeling in this job and in this profession? I mean, on two points there, the drama llamas and the um, mental health, um, I recently tweeted a picture of um, imposter syndrome, and it was this brilliant um, uh, graph where it showed what we believe, our perception is, of we know a little bit and everybody else knows a lot, whereas the reality is we know a little bit, everybody knows a little bit, but they they only overlap in some areas, and so we you know, we, we feel like we don't know enough. Um, in regards to the drama lover, it turns out um, I was directed to the person that created that image. Turns out that image took credit, that was person took credit for someone who had created it years ago. Oh so, bit of a drama there. I felt really bad because I obviously I don't want to credit the wrong person, but I mean, how am I supposed to know? But I mean, I think, I think we've corrected it, but, but um, no, I think 100%. I mean, it's not even that um, we. We're not resting, we're not understanding that we need to take time off, and then it just piles up, piles up, piles up, and then we almost, it's like we explode. I mean, I, in the last 11 years of industry experience that I have, um, obviously not all in security, but in technology itself, and um, that was the one thing I found in the last four, four years, I've been the top of my game, but stressed the most. And um, in the last year, I've left, I worked for uh, Beringa, loved them, by the way, brilliant company, brilliant um, program for mental health. Um, they take it seriously. Um, but the one thing I noticed is I wasn't recovering. I wasn't getting better. And I had to leave the company because I just couldn't continue. I work for myself now. And for me, that's, that's vital to my health because I need that work-life balance of being able to choose when I work and choose where I work. And it's just a flexibility that many organizations just don't have the ability to offer. But in for me personally, it's required. I, I don't sit through a whole business day. I need to take breaks often and you know work from the gym in the morning because I'm ridiculous and go to the gym at five in the morning. Well, six, six to be fair. Um, and, then, and then work from the pub in the afternoon where I um, pop over and say hi to you. Yeah. Um, I, I need that flexibility. So I think our industry is great if you want to work and pursue your passions but you also need to be able to understand when you need to take like time off. I mean, your background is in military, you know. I mean, I obviously did it in cadets, which is not the same, but they did teach us that you need time to recover. I mean, you do all this physical activity in, in the military, and then you need to recover from it. I mean, we maybe aren't as physical in cybersecurity. I think there's um, some people that are afraid of stairs in cybersecurity, <laughs> but... But we do need to recover and we do yeah. need to provide our brain, which is, you know, our, our main muscle for our skills, time to handle recovery. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, I, it's, you know, one of the areas that I explore in, um, in one of my articles is really about how 
um, the actual IT practitioners, IT security people are the forgotten victims of data breach because, you know, we're obsessed with the customer and how is the company going to do? But meanwhile, we ask an awful lot out of the incident responders, the blue team, the managers, the IT people. And, you know, if we're not looking after those people, um, you know, we're burning them out. And I think there's, there's a huge issue. And then I think the other thing that we suffer from is that when people are burned out or maybe they're because they're intoxicated because there's pain and they're they're trying to mask it um they get on social media and they say really dumb and hurtful things to people and some people will put up with it and others won't and i've seen this you know i mean some of it is inane stupidity like one person that got on twitter and basically claimed that if you put 1337 in your handle you're like you know you're like amateur or whatever i was so proud of my reply to that because i was sitting there like but i responded in a very positive way i was like personally i disagree yeah yeah to well put on my nice british hat yeah <laughs> well done um well done jolly good um no but but so you know it's like why load the catapult with a flaming ball of poop mm-hmm. and fire it into the twitter sphere it doesn't help it, do, it does not help you know and there are honest to god people and, I, and we've seen this we've seen the various twitter meltdowns of people um you know lately i mean the the drama associated with uh, Dan Kaminsky and his um, defense question question mark there of Richard M Stallman and the dude that wanted to party with Epstein <laughs> it just it just it 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 spiraled I mean yeah, it was yeah, yeah. it was not not good at all but you know who are some of the bright lights in InfoSec that you like following and that have interesting things to say yeah um I mean. There's the the typical really well-known answers there. I mean, Hacks for Pancakes is always brilliant. She's always lovely. Um, She's easy to chat with. And she's pretty badass. I mean, if you want to look up to someone, she's a great person to look up to. But then there's also the people um, that I've met along the way that we've never we've never really interacted outside of Twitter not that I've interacted with Hacker Pancake Hacks for Pancake I can't say her handle (laughs) Pancakes either Um, but um, but she's so well known she almost feels like family isn't she but um, there's people like you know um, uh, I always call her Rainbow but I'm pretty sure her handle is different and you know we chat about um, Jiu Jitsu and uh, she does you know more of the punching and I was always like nah I'm not a puncher but then I tried it and I think it's brilliant yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But um, but you know, a lot of um, women in the industry, what I've noticed is messaging them privately is brilliant. Like I will get a response on Twitter that I'm like, you know, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know how to read it. Can you kind of say what you think? And there's this chat group I'm a part of with a lot of ladies, and it's really nice to give them this you know I give them this thread and they they say what they think and it's it's almost a way to process it for me because my first response is is quite you know I get quite hurt I mean I I put on a you know confident face but you know I I do take a lot of things personally and I know I need to work on that don't get me wrong but um, it's nice to have that community of ladies behind the scenes that I can just chat with kind of diagnose or not diagnose but digest what's going on and then respond um, and I, I recently uh, 
tweeted, like I said, about that imposter syndrome. And I got a response back that I'm like, you know what? I really feel like this guy is insulting me. Like, I, I don't think he means to be, but it pretty much the way that tweets yeah. came across, it was him saying, you are a, an imposter, but now that you know it, it means you're getting better. And I wow. was like... <laughs> Who are you to judge that? Like... like I've been in the industry for 11 I, years. I, I think I know a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to back you up on that. Um, all the interactions that I've had, especially, and we'll talk a little bit about BeerCom1, mm-hmm. but all of the interactions that I've had with um, ladies on Twitter, uh, generally, I've been incredibly positive, mm-hmm. really beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Asher Wolf, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, Gabby uh, Smith, the Badass mm-hmm. Army. Mm-hmm. I, I Even Tash Norris, who, you know, I, I talk with once in a while. And then, of course, one of my favorites, Jenny Radcliffe. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of those people, I get the sense that women on Twitter are more mature. I... I would say more experienced. Or more polite. I, I would say I more experienced. Know. Okay. Because, not because they have more experience in general, but because they're more experienced in the negative. And so we've had yeah. to step back and think before we respond. Because a lot of times, like, when I released that article, uh, that blog post about saying, writing, um, writing your conference talk, the very first response I got back was, oh, no, 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 no. You do that before. This yeah, that, well, wrong. that guy was a giant dick. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know him that <laughs> Personally, I, I mean, I, I, I've never had issues with him on Twitter. Yeah. And I've always, he's always been very positive to me. So I'm not going to say that, you know, he necessarily meant it maliciously. But, um, okay, but it I'll is downgrade it to it was a dick move. But, but, but that's what I'm saying is that it was the way it came across was yeah. very negative. And it hurt my feelings, to be honest, because I was like, I wrote this article to be positive, to support people. Like the whole series is not for senior people in industry, it's that's for right. people starting out. Yeah. Um, and and I felt quite offended by that because it was like, oh, you're shit. You know, that's how it came across. Yeah, it sure and, did. And and the reality was, maybe in his situation, yes, he would he would do all of that prior to submitting. But I I very rarely submit now. Um, yeah. And it was written in the sense that the expectation is you've done the research, you know the topic. The only reason you're then going to write it after is because you've got six months until the conference. I mean, if it's a conference that you won't know until two weeks before it starts hell yeah you're going to have to write it beforehand but if you've got six months to write the bloody thing you already are an expert on the topic why would you have to build the entire talk before submitting well that and that's just absolutely it i mean i'm i'm appalled by that kind of behavior personally a great idea that you come up with and you have a basic outline of what's going to happen and you know there's a deadline for when the slides are due you put it in your diary because, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, my job is not providing your conference mm-hmm. with content. Yeah. That's not my job. I have an actual job. Yeah. I'm doing this for either because I think it's a great conference and I want to be part of it. I want to be part of the community. I want to give out my research, my insight, my whatever you want to call it. I want to give it back. And, you know, I, I feel like the some folks are really... Um, set in process of of it and and that process that might work for them they need to respect that that doesn't work for everybody that's out there right oh yeah like for me 
if I'm going to do a talk, and I, I mean, I've had talks where, I mean, my most famous one is besides London, I had 10 minutes to prepare for a 45 minute talk. And I had no idea that I was a backup speaker. And I, I, I was quite proud of that talk. I mean, if you attended it, you saw all my lovely mis, uh, misspellings, but I, that wasn't the point. The point was to share the knowledge. And I already knew the bloody topic. You know, I didn't need six months to prepare it, but as you know, seen by my shitty spelling, I probably did need the six months to write it, <laughs> but only to make it look pretty. So I think there was many different situations, and and I I have had situations where I've had two days to prepare, or an hour to prepare, or ten minutes, or I've had a year to prepare, and. To be honest, if I've got a year to prepare, I don't have the time to spend that year preparing. Yeah. I have the time to build my knowledge base up, maybe on that topic or broader, and then spend a set amount of time finishing that talk. And shit changes. Yeah. You know, like, if you're talking about, like, uh, some, in my case, APT group associated with, like, you know, Iran, for instance, and, you know, all of a sudden there's a bunch of arrests, there's a bunch of new indictments that lay out the super-duper plot that they had. You know, obviously, you're just going to flush what you originally had and incorporate the latest research and the latest, latest stuff. Let's move on now to a topic that um, you're involved in about um, managed services and security operations centers. I know that, uh, weren't you doing a talk recently on security operations centers? I or? was literally, like, what is it, uh, an hour ago, oh, no, 30 minutes ago, I just finished. Okay. Um, it had the brilliantest title. My favorite part of doing talks is choosing a cool title. Right. Uh, this title was Mismatching Socks. Oh, okay. I, I see what you did there. Yeah. And um, and uh, he was talking about you know my experience with third party socks, and not to say that they're shit. Like I'm not trying to hate on the socks. I mean they're a very important part of your security program. But a lot of times companies go out and say I want a sock. They pick one because they sound cool, uh, or maybe they cost the least, or whatever reason, and then span and nothing is properly configured nobody's really looking at the alerts and if they are they're not actioning them and and there's so many issues of responsibility liability regulatory requirements and as sexy as security is a lot of the times it's the foundations it's the it's the tier one desk support that that is the most important like you need to start from the beginning you can't build a house from the roof down unless you're building it upside down that's in right. that case that's quite cool but that's not how security works um, <laughs> and um, we might like to think it is it's but, mismatched socks yeah. not um sexy sto- stockings <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? exactly yeah. exactly and so my talk was about um, choosing the right one from looking at i mean i didn't say you know which one has the coolest technology <laughs> i said or the sexiest solution shiny you know no I said how do they hire them what's their culture you know who who do they actually have sitting their bottoms in those seats monitoring those alerts tightening those alerts configuring those alerts like are they are they I mean I've had an experience where there was a sock that they only hired people that wrote an entrance exam entrance exam then the assumption was they cheated so if they got to stage two they had to rewrite the exam in the office in front of HR like 
way to start off poorly. Yeah. And then they had to go through another bunch of interviews, and these are for junior positions, yeah? Yeah. And they had to self-fund their certifications and do their threat intelligence on their own time. Talk about a great way for burnout. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But, you know, all for what, a 40k year job? or If that. Yeah. And then, and then... They didn't have the skilled people because they weren't paying them. Like you said, they weren't paying them what they deserved. Right. And the turnover was so high because you get your bit, your you know, you get your foundational your first two years, and then you go find a job that actually pays well. Yeah. And the other bed is the culture was toxic. They were very. Um, <laughs> this sounds like a dream imagine. job. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they were all the same people. I yeah. went in, and I was the female. I was the female. I didn't work there. I was doing an yeah. assessment on them because. Shockingly, they weren't being successful. Yeah. And so I did an assessment and I'm like, hey, these are things that I am not comfortable with. And the biggest, most important thing on that was who the bloody hell are you hiring? Yeah. If they can't action these foundational tickets and configure these foundational you know, requirements, maybe they don't have the skill and maybe you need to upskill your people. I'm not saying necessarily the people they had weren't good enough, but they weren't supporting them. So how does it go when you come in and you kind of look at it from that perspective, but you're also a Splunk architect. Mm -hmm. So you know that if they say the words, oh, we have Splunk, that I get really excited. <laughs> you get excited, but yeah. don't you also now challenge them a little bit on, oh, so, you know, what are you collecting? What are you collecting from? What kind of alerts have you written? You know, you can get really technically detailed, and I think maybe um, the folks aren't prepared they for aren't, that, right? They aren't, and that, that's the funniest bit. So the example that I was specifically referring to is I walked in the room, 12 men, quite senior in industry. I mean, they, some were junior, but uh, most of them were quite senior, and um, sat down at a table, and they started talking at me about uh, what they offer and how great their solutions are. And don't get me wrong, the guy in charge clearly knew what he was doing. He clearly knew and cared and was passionate. However, the junior people that were actually doing everyday tickets, they, they, they weren't qualified and they didn't get the proper support. And they were ch chatting to me and I could tell all this right away. And I stopped them about halfway through and I was like, okay, we're gonna talk about who I am. I'm not a business analyst. I don't like the assumption that I'm a business analyst, but it's clear that you've made that assumption. And this is my skill set. Okay, I've worked in industry for X amount of years. I have qualifications both on paper but also in the field and I know what you're saying and I know it's bullshit so this is what we're going to talk about <laughs> that probably yeah. went over not so great but <laughs> uh, there were a lot of red faces yeah um, and then we went in and started talking about real what the real, real issue is yeah, yeah the real issue and um, some of it was improper solutions most of it was the maturity of their offering just wasn't there yet and it, it was anything from not having the proper documentation. I mean, documentation doesn't sound very vital, but it is because the high turnover of a SOC means you know, you're not going to have the most senior person in that position, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But you do need knowledge transfer. Exactly, yeah. and that's the that's the that's the hugest part of providing that service. Because I recently worked at a consultancy. We weren't hired because you know we 
had the coolest names or were the prettiest people, although I'd like to think we were. Um, it was because we had the IP, you know, not IP as in, you yeah. know, address, but IP as in like the data that we created and, you know, continuously created, like, bettered and, you know, had these solutions that really worked because we've implemented them in the past and have experience in where it's failed and can better, you know, create or better implement whatever and so that's what you're hiring at a SOC you're hiring that senior knowledge even if it's a not so senior person dealing with it and I have no issue with junior positions I mean that's vital to our industry of course and that that experience um, is hugely beneficial because they're going to have a different experience different points of view new ideas awesome but they need that senior experience to be able to recognize foundational issues as well as technical and highly you know complex issues you, you can't you can't just send a brand new person to monitor the network and not even know what normal is that's right I mean, yeah. how are they gonna find out what's abnormal if they don't know the baseline and and speaking of that I mean we both came from a IT services managed services provider background and and focused on customer service um do you think at like the enterprise stock level um they would benefit from those experiences of you know a four or five seat organization that's struggling with their it like how much of that initial sort of formative uh experiences has informed you today yeah, I mean, I, I think, so, as you said, you know, I started out in that field, but I also had professional work before that, not in IT, mind you. I started as a personal tax assistant because I was a failed botanist because I was allergic to botany. Um, <laughs> funny, but, uh, but, but that experience, that professionalism helped because then I could explain the technical to, you know, the people that mattered, the people that paid me, and, and I could understand what their priorities were. And that point of view was hugely beneficial in my, you know, growing up through industry because I could speak to the right people. Whereas somebody else that maybe had a different experience, maybe didn't have that skill, was still vital because together they had skills I didn't have. So I think we are so focused, or socks are so focused on hiring that different person, that highly technical, that's all they do, they don't speak to people, people, um, and forget that that mix is so important that mix of people like us that started in a different route and you know my background is networking I started out with Cisco I was a Cisco Academy person and I did the Cisco dream team with the cape and everything and um, brilliant um, but um, that that helped me because when it comes to security I knew what the network looked like what it should be doing and when it was acting really bloody weird whereas somebody that comes from a development background for example they might not know that they might but they might not and so that that variety that diversity of skills yes diversity not just gender not just ethnicity but also culture skill set experience those are vital to being effective I, I agree totally and that's actually a great segue to talk a little bit about BeerCon 1 yes. um, which you're going to be participating on um, bringing together about 60 to 70 of the industry's top people um, Plus me. to talk about <laughs> no you're in that you're in that category for sure yes. um, 
you know, and to talk about some of these issues, a wide range of issues, um, you know, some people that we're going to get on the show, very much managerial, high level, uh, CISOs, people like that. Then we have like the research community um, folks, uh, you know, and, and how they see the industry right now. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm fangirling over a bunch of the guests, I, I, I have to say. But I think what's really important is that we're trying to get um, a broad, I'm going to say, consensus on what the issues are. And I think it's really hard right now to sort out the signal to the noise ratio. Um, you know, we see, you know, Twitter's filled with opinions. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that we have sort of like a, a diversity challenge, if you will, of bringing people together and not letting us sort of split into these balkanized islands where you know i think about six months ago an infuriating tweet went out that talked about to be infosec you have to be a coder or developer and and i was like dude like no (laughs) at the at the higher end of your career and trust me when i tell you this for career progress it is about your communication skills it has nothing to do with your technical savvy in fact at my level i get to hire technical people to do that kind of stuff and I have to do my job is to keep the crazy off of the technical team and focus on on delivery you definitely failed with me then because I am all about the crazy (laughs) but but no 100% I remember when I first met you when I was like what 23 um you said oh I'm sounding so old now but but you said to me you know my job isn't knowing everything my job is to get the people that know everything in the same room together you know well know everything about one thing yeah you know Pull them together. Yeah, no, exactly, and that that really stuck with me because a lot of the times you you make the assumption that you need to know everything, and people make the assumption that you do know everything, and so they get almost disappointed when you don't. Like I, I get requests for interviews all the time, yeah. and um, and it's like, oh, can you chat about um, blockchain? And I'm like. I don't. I don't don't care much. (laughs) I'm like, you know, there are experts about blockchain, and they're brilliant. But I don't. You should really. You should really get John McAfee on your show. It'll be great. Yeah. It'll be just great. (laughs) But you know, I'll I'll send them to like that that lady. Oh, what is her name? I met her recently, and she's she's brilliant, and that's what she specializes in. Yeah. And you know, get her on the show. I'm not going to talk about blockchain because I don't care about it. Yeah. You know, but (laughs) but they make the assumption that I'm security, so I know it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like it's not fair and. It's, it's it's toxic and it just adds to that shitty shitty environment. Well, I think I think that's a huge point because mm. I know sometimes I'm asked about crypto and I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it it has a lot to do with maths. Um, oh, and, well, you said it right. And, good and, and, good and, I'm going, and I'm going to direct you to a large cardinal, and <laughs> you guys can talk about entropy all you want. And he's so brilliant. I'm over here. He's so brilliant. <laughs> but you know what I love most about him? What? Is he recognises what he's good at yes. and doesn't give a shit about trying to be the person that he doesn't want to be. Absolutely. And that is so inspiring to he's me. He's one of my favourite people in he InfoSec. He really is. And he, he disagrees when I say he's such a lovely man. But, but, he really, he's just so inspirational. You know, he's working so hard at his PhD and he's he's doing what he wants to do That's and right. not even bothering to try and be the person everyone else wants him to be. You exactly. Know? And so it makes him really bloody happy. Well, I hope anyway. He comes across that way. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's really inspiring. Um, another person that I 
absolutely adore in this industry is actually a woman um, I met uh, last year when I went to uh, Sri Lanka um, and I spoke at uh, a, um, a conference for young people okay. um, coming into industry and I was uh, I keynoted it being you know the ethical hacker it sounds so cool and the biggest thing I chatted about is you don't need to know everything yeah and um, she came over to me after with her big glasses and a brilliant young lady and she was like you know it was really inspiring to see your talk because I didn't think that I could be um, a penetration tester that's what I want but I just I'm not good enough right and her response to me was I was like you know okay well what do you do what is your experience and she's bloody technical like she is way more impressive than I am um, and I was just like you're gonna be amazing and so now we've you know after about a year she contacted me again and I'm you know trying to help mentor her and kind of sponsor her to get into industry um, and um, support her in that as best I can in that way and uh, she's so so impressive like she she starting out deals with imposter syndrome constantly because the message we give to people is we're the best we know everything That's you right. can't question us but the reality is a lot of the time we're faking it <laughs> you know, I don't know like yeah. I get questioned you know, okay what happened to this hack I'm like I was the hacker, thankfully. You know, I'm not the malicious actor. I don't know what the shit is. But I'm going to read it. I'm going to make my assessment based on my prior experience. And this is what I think. You know, not necessarily perfect, but this is what I think. And that's the value. And so her experience now is, you know, she's starting out. She sees all these brilliant people saying they know everything. And she's like, well, I don't know everything. And I'm like, actually, you're brilliant. You know, so it's, I think it's, I know I'm kind of going in circles, but I think that's what the value of BearCon is going to be, is the reality is we don't know everything. We're experts in our, our area, and we're brilliant in our area, but there's other people brilliant in other areas, and their opinion is not just as valuable, it isn't just valuable, but it's just as valuable as ours, you know? Like, if we have a differing opinion, well, how did we get to that? And sometimes, sometimes I will admit that I get frustrated seeing other people talk and being like, oh, I hate that. You know, I disagree with that statement. And I'll chat with them afterwards and I'll figure out why they got to that. And sometimes, you know, I do have to reassess my opinion. Sure. 100%. I am happy to admit when I'm wrong. But a lot of times, it's things like, well, the reason it offends me so much is because, you know, I've... I'm very open about the abuse I've received in the past, the childhood and adult and you know young young adulthood um, abuse, and and it's really offensive to me when people are like, oh, that's not our priority, or you know, well, you know, for example, when um, Operation Safe Escape shared how Spotify, they may have changed it since, but how Spotify didn't let you block people, and people, when I was like, that is highly inappropriate, I hate it, and people were like, you know, it's not really that big of a deal, and I'm like, yes, it is because I've had a stalker and. And it's not even that that person could have hurt me by knowing what I'm listening to. The fact that they would know and they would have that hold over me and they'd be able to, you know, it makes me feel dirty. Sure. You know, and uncomfortable. It's another sense of control. Then. And, um, you know, things like, oh, well, SMS 2FA is, is shit. You know, it doesn't, it's not perfect. And it's like, well, maybe that's all that person can handle. And that in itself, be able to, even if they can at least get that in place, that's an improvement so don't attack them for not wanting to use uh, Google Authenticator or, or that brilliant app Authy oh my goodness I love it if you can use it use it because it's so sexy but if you can't then at least have something that's right so um, we're coming down to the end of this podcast and yeah. we've it's just been a great conversation uh, give me an update on the Hacker Ferrets 
Oh yes, oh yes. So <laughs> this is the first conference that I've gone to that I've left my favourites with my partner because I've just recently moved in with him. Oh my goodness, lovely. He's so beautiful, but <laughs> he's also awesome. But I left it. I left them with him and I came over to London and I just got a message this morning saying, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was, um, I let your favourites out. I lost one. Where is she? <laughs> Oh my I'm god! In, I'm in another country. But didn't your heart stop? At oh, that not at all. Really? Okay. I knew exactly where she was. Okay. My first response was, "Oh, I know who it is," without okay. him saying, and I know exactly where she is. So I told him how to find her. Yeah. But it's so funny to me because, because honestly, like ferrets are nature's hackers. Okay. You know, they are malicious. They <laughs> mischievous. Let's say mischievous. <laughs> but they're also malicious. You know, they do what they want because they want to do it. Yeah. They don't care at or what your opinion is. If I'm not gonna let them have my apple, they will get to that apple. If it's jumping in the bin and hiding under all the, the rubbish so they can eat the bloody core, they will do it. I'm talking from experience. <laughs> I've recently had to give one of my ferrets a wash because she popped over to the bin. Wow. <laughs> and um, you know, and if if they want to find a way around something, they will. I've had a ferret, my very first ferret, Bandit, where I had to physically lock her cage because she could open the bloody door. You know, they are they are nature's hackers and they are bloody adorable. The only thing they're missing is they don't have black hoodies or you know balclava. But they do have natural um, black uh, eyes, kind of like raccoons. Yeah. So essentially, they're they're even their fur is indicating that they are hackers. Cool. All right. Well, with that, well, outro is great. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was lovely chatting with you. Ironically, you uh, managed my podcast. <laughs> I did. But you're so good at it. I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.